Hello, this is Brandon from Motivational Speech Podcast. I have a great gift for you. I'm sharing some of the highly valuable life-changing free audiobooks. You can find the audiobooks link in the description. These audiobooks can change your life. So don't waste them. As far as I can tell, if you want to maximize your chances for both success and, and let's say, well-being, is you want to find a strata of occupation in which you would have an intelligence that would put you in the upper quartile. And you don't want to be the stupidest guy in the room. It's a bloody rough place to be. And you probably don't want to be the smartest guy in the room either, because what that probably means is you should be in a different room. If you're right at the top, it's you've mastered it. It's time to go somewhere where you're a little lower so that you've got something to climb up for. I'll tell you what it is that you need to do to be successful. Some of these things aren't so malleable, but others are things that you can work on. Well, IQ, well, that's a rough one because there's no evidence, as far as I can tell, that you can do a damn thing about your IQ. So the, the, the issue of how to raise IQ, man, that's a killer. No one knows how to do it. I can tell you how to stop your IQ from decreasing as you get older. It's uh, physical health is the best preventative, so exercise. Well, why? Well, your brain uses oxygen like mad, right? And it, and it, and it needs to be kept clean and well oxygenated. And physical exercise, both anaerobic and aerobic exercise, both seem to be very, very effective at staving off cognitive declines across the lifespan. The next best predictor of lifetime success is conscientiousness. Of the, of the two aspects of conscientiousness, say orderliness and, and industriousness, the better predictor is industriousness. So the question is, well, what can you do about your industriousness? And the answer to that is, you can work on micro habits with regards to your conscientiousness. And I think the best thing you can do with regards to your conscientiousness is to number one, specify your damn goals, because how are you gonna hit something if you don't know what it is? And often people won't specify their goals too because they don't like to specify conditions for failure. So if you keep yourself all vague and foggy, then you don't know when you fail. And people might say, well, I really don't wanna know when I fail because that's painful. So I'll, I'll keep myself blind about when I fail. That's fine, except you'll fail all the time then. You just won't know it until you've failed so badly that you're done. So that's willful blindness, right? You could have known, but you chose not to. Okay, so once you get your goal structure set up, you think, okay, if I could have this life, it looks like that might be worth living, despite the fact that it's gonna be, you know, anxiety provoking and threatening, and there's gonna be some suffering and loss involved in all of that. The goal is to, to have a vision for your life such that all things considered, that justifies your effort. Then what do you do? Then you turn down to the micro routines. It's like, okay, well, this is what I'm aiming for. How does that instantiate itself day to day, week to week, month to month? Make a damn schedule and stick to it. Okay, so what's the rule with the schedule? It's not a bloody prison. That's the first thing that people do wrong. They say, well, I don't like to have, follow a schedule. It's like, well, what kind of schedule are you setting up? Well, I, sh I have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to do this. You know, and then I just go play video games because who wants to do all these things that I have to do? It's like wrong. Set the damn schedule up so that you have the day you want. That's the trick. It's like, okay, I've got tomorrow. If I was gonna set it up so it was the best possible day I could have, practically speaking, what would it look like? Well, then you schedule that. And obviously there's a bit of responsibility that's gonna go along with that because if you have any sense, one of the things that you're gonna insist upon is that at the end of the day, you're not in worse shape than you were that at the beginning of the day, right? Because that's a stupid day. If you have a bunch of those in a row, you just dig, you know, you dig yourself a hole and then you bury yourself in it. So maybe 
20% of your day has to be responsibility and obligation, or maybe it's more than that, depending on how far behind you are. But even that, you can, you can ask yourself, okay, well, I've got these responsibilities. I have to schedule the damn things in. What's the right ratio of responsibility to reward? And you can ask yourself that, just like you'd negotiate with someone who is working for you. It's like, okay, so I want you to work tomorrow. And you might say, okay, well, what are you gonna do for me that makes it likely that I'll work for you? Well, you could ask yourself that, you know? So maybe you do an hour of, of responsibility and then you play a video game for 15 minutes. I don't know, whatever turns your crank, man. But, you know, you have to negotiate with yourself and not tyrannize yourself. Like you're negotiating with someone that you care for, that you would like to be productive and have a good life. You know, and you, you're useless and horrible, so you'll probably only hit it with about 70% accuracy, but that beats the hell out of zero. Another rule is, well, aim for 51% the next week or 50 and a half percent for God's sake, or because you're, you're gonna hit that position where things start to loop back positively and spiral you upward. You have to understand that you're not your own servant, so to speak. You're someone that you have to negotiate with and you, you're someone that you want to present the opportunity of having a good life to. And that's hard for people because they don't like themselves very much. So, you know, they're always like cracking the whip and then procrastinating and cracking the whip and then procrastinating. And it's like, God, it's so boring and such a pathetic way of spending your time. And you know what that's like, because you probably waste like six hours a day. And I think we did an economic calculation about that a while back, right? Your time's probably worth 50 bucks an hour. I mean, you're not getting paid that now, but you're young. And so this is investment time. And what you do now is going to multiply its effects in the future. So. So let's say it's 50 bucks an hour, which is perfectly reasonable. So if you waste six hours a day, and you are, then you're wasting about $2,000 a week or about $100,000 a year. So like, go ahead, but that's what it's costing you every hour. But the funny thing about not assuming that is if you assume your time isn't worthwhile, what happens is you don't just sit around sort of randomly in a state of responsibility-less bliss. What you do is you suffer existentially. Here's something else you can think about when you're negotiating in your life. You wanna negotiate so that you don't walk away miserable and resentful because that makes you hostile and then you'll work to hurt them. So you might say, well, the minimal precondition for a successful negotiation is that you don't walk away resentful and angry. And so that's also how you know when you have something to say to someone because the rule has to be, if you're gonna walk away resentful and angry, You've got something to say. Doesn't mean you're right. But it's kind of a low bar, you know? Like, if I wanted to live with you for 30 years, maybe we should say, how about we walk away from our mutual negotiations thrilled? Well, why not? You know, you gotta aim for something. You could aim for that. You wanna negotiate with your boss for a new salary. You might think, okay, I've got this damn job. How much would I have to be paid so I'd be so bloody excited to go to work I could hardly stand it? Well, you could at least know what that number is. And then you could go there and say, well, look, you know, you like to have me around. I've been doing some thinking. I think if you paid me this amount of money, I'd be so thrilled to go to work that you could hardly even keep me away from here. And your boss might think, well, I'd actually really like to have someone around who'd be so thrilled to work that I can't get rid of them. It's like, maybe I'll, well, I can't give you all of that. I'll give you 75%. Maybe we can renegotiate it in a year. It's like, hey, good deal. Or you can, you know, be some weaselly coward and go in there and snivel about how awful your life is and walk away barely able to tolerate the outcome of the negotiation.
I've watched people do this repeatedly in my clinical practice because the rule is you're going to come and see me. I'm going to try to help you figure out how to have the life that you want to have. And we're going to think about that strategically. So you're making $50,000 a year right now. Maybe you should be making $150,000 in three years. And they think, well, uh, that couldn't happen. It's like, not with that attitude. That's the first thing. It's like, no, that's not going to happen if you, if you don't ask people for the damn money if you don't look for a better job but they're going to come along and just shovel a boat full of money at you it's like no that's not going to happen why is that impossible look at you you people in here it's like what the hell is wrong with you nothing so you can probably have what you want if you could figure out what the hell it was and then you know you diligently pursued it so and then maybe you wouldn't whine about being alive that'd be good because people who whine about being alive are dangerous to themselves and other people so you might think, I can have what I want, but you better well figure out what it is. And you can't just wait for the, like, have what you want fairy to show up at your doorstep and grant it, because obviously that's not going to happen. Social networking, that's another big deal. It's one of the advantages that older people have over younger people. And so, for example, now that I'm in my 50s, roughly speaking, I know a bunch of other people who are, you know, relatively well positioned in the dominance hierarchy, and they know all sorts of people. And so when I go to one of them and say, you know, can you do X or do you know X? They say, no, but I know someone who can. And that's a huge advantage. So another thing that you want to think about as you move through life, and, and, and this is, is that use your ability to network properly. And th that doesn't mean schmooze, and it doesn't mean go out and impress people. That's all just complete bloody rubbish. It means you, you, you try to surround yourself with people who are competent in multiple different dimensions and you maintain your relationships with them. And that's a trading relationship too, right? It, it, it involves reciprocity. But it's a huge advantage. A social network is a huge advantage and that's something extroverted people can be really good at. And that goes along with the ability to sell. So another place that you can pick up power and power for the good, for the right things is to, is to consciously develop and maintain your social networks. And that also means, well, let's talk about friendships for a minute. Here's how you know if someone's your friend. A, you can tell them bad news and they'll listen. They won't tell you why, you know, you're stupid and, and why that bad thing happened to you and how something worse happened to them once and, you know, derail the whole conversation. You can actually tell them bad news and they'll listen. So that's a good thing. And then this is a weirder thing. You can tell them good news and they'll help you celebrate. And that's a really good way of deciding who you should have around you because you come out and you sort of tell someone half-heartedly that something good happened to you and they give you a whack and then talk about, you know, the great thing that happened to them three years ago or worse, the great thing that happened to someone that they knew three years ago. You know, it's like, go away from that person. They're not helpful to you. It's very necessary for people at some point in their life to dedicate themselves to a single game of some sort, which is kind of what you're doing in university. You know, you have to become one thing at some point in your life. And the sacrifice, of course, is that you give up all the other things that you could become, but the, you don't really have a choice because if you don't decide voluntarily to become one thing, you know, to become a, a disciplined adherent of some specific practice or profession or viewpoint, then you risk just aging chaotically and you don't get away with not aging so you might as well age into something that's that's actually something rather than just remaining or then just becoming an old child which is really not a not a good thing it's not a good thing to see especially by the time people hit about 40 it's not it's not it's not pretty 
for them or anyone else. And even at 30, it's getting pretty old at that point. 40, it's like it's almost irreparable at 40. And the reason for that is you, run, you start running out of opportunities. When you're young and stupid, people don't care because they think, well, you've, you know, whatever. You've got decades of possibilities still ready to unfold in you. You can do anything you want and hopefully anything you want for good. Because if you have any sense, everything you want to do would be for the good, because there's nothing more compelling or meaningful or, or useful in combating the tragedy of life than to struggle with all your soul on behalf of the good. Learn to think, learn to speak, learn to read. It makes you a superpower. Hello, this is Brandon from Motivational Speech Podcast. I have a great gift for you. I'm sharing some of the highly valuable life-changing free audiobooks. You can find the audiobooks link in the description. These audiobooks can change your life. So don't waste them.